You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, I'm really impressed with the work our staff did, uh, considering uh, you know the fact that we couldn't go on the road recruiting, we couldn't get kids to come in here. I think we signed a really good class, a lot of pieces that are going to fit together with what we have, uh, and I think it's going to be the key to getting us over the top. Uh, we just got to continue to add add talent, and uh, feel like this group did that. I think it's a little more of a regional class. You know, we got five kids out of Nebraska again, a lot from the Midwest. I think there's good talent in the state right now, and, and we're trying to get as much of that as we can. There's good talent in the region, and some really good pieces from a little farther away too. So, uh, considering uh, everything that was going on with a COVID year, I'm really excited about this group. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. It is post-signing day. Also, we'll preview Rutgers in the middle of the show, but uh, we are going to lead off right away with recruiting news as that really is the story this week. Yes, Nebraska will play Friday night in Rutgers, uh, but it was signing day, and, and we make our living for the most part, and we've made our, our reputation covering recruiting. And uh, Nate Klaus joining me here over the phone um, here in our opening segment. He'll join us later. But, Nate, uh, 19 commits. Everybody was in the bag signed uh, by 10 a.m. on Wednesday. And there's still a few more things that could shake out um, here maybe in the early period or the late period. But, man, we've been around a lot of these together, Nate. And I can't remember too many with this little drama. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I ever recall – a signing day that <clears throat> has not only had very little drama, if any at all. I mean, honestly, I don't think you could say there was any drama uh, that, that occurred on signing day. But also, I mean, you're talking about having having the, the signatures of 19 kids from New Jersey to California all wrapped up in less than four hours, uh, you know, before <laughs> before 10 o'clock. I mean, that's that's impressive, and I've never seen that before. Usually, you know, maybe twelve thirty, or, or you know, it seems like there's usually at least one kid that's lingering on into the the late afternoon or so. But uh, to have it all wrapped up before ten a.m. is is pretty impressive. And we love our good share of hat shows and school assemblies and ESPNU announcements. But I think two thousand twenty, Nate. I think we, we don't want any, we don't need that right now. I, I think the, the fact that it just, everything went to plan and, and there's still a few things out there and they got rid of the drama early. You know, Patrick Payton was probably going to be a guy that would have done something like this in Nebraska uh, on signing day. And, and, the, and they both went their own way a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting in that sense, just how it all played out. But I, I it was kind of refreshing not having to worry about watching Jaden Francois walk away from the table for a half hour on signing day this year. Yeah, I mean, while while it makes for, you know, some uh some must see TV sometimes, um you know, I think you can agree with me when when I say the kids that are involved in that usually don't pan out. And uh, you know, we saw that kind of play out this this past year with uh, with a handful of those guys. So I think it probably bodes well for Nebraska that um, you know, all these kids are on board, and they weren't they weren't screwing around. They they woke up on signing day. They they signed their letters of intent and got it into Nebraska and and called it a day. And I think the cherry on top of that is that um, you know, a large majority of these guys are are going to be on campus in about a month. So um, you know, again, uh, this group is 
is uh, very businesslike in that manner. Nate, I'll tell you what, what jumps out to me, too. In years past, when Nebraska's maybe scrambling to find three or four late guys, they, they, they tend to go to Florida or Texas or somewhere like that. And this year, we saw them go to Kobe Bretts at Omaha Westside. We saw them go to James Carney at Norris. Early in the year, they made an offer to an eight-man guy in Seth Malcolm. It just felt like they took more local chances um, where we've seen previous staffs really drag their feet in those same types of situations over the years. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it's easy to kind of have the blinders on and, you know, kind of look past, um, you know, look past some of the guys in state or even, you know, within within the region um, and, and feel like you have to go to Florida or, or you know, Texas or California or whatever when when some things fall through um, or when you are looking to, to fill your remaining needs. And, you know, a lot of times what you need is, is actually right in your own backyard. Um, you know, the, the late offer to James Carney this past fall, um, you know, that was far from the reach. I mean, he is a tremendous Division One athlete. Uh, I think, you know, that he really proved that when he went toe-to-toe with Thomas Sedoni over the summer at the Warren Academy Showcase. I mean, his numbers on uh, his perform- performance that day uh, were I mean, right on par with Thomas Fedoni, who's the number one overall tight end in the country. So, um, you know, he proved that. Uh, Seth Malcolm, you know, the eight-man linebacker from uh, Tabor, Iowa, <clears throat> he's actually somebody they targeted fairly early on. And so uh, they are – really concentrating more and trying to put more effort in state and even regionally and and trying to wrap these guys up. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show as we talk recruiting class here with Nate Klaus. What do you think was the biggest need addressed? When you look at this overall, I mean, is it as easy as just saying it's tied in or or is there something else that you really like, wow, they they hit it on this one too? Yeah, you know, I think it was was probably tied in because really they, they didn't take a tight end last year. Um, the tight end they took two years ago was, uh, was Chris Hickman is now at wide receiver. And then, you know, the tight ends that they signed in that initial 2018 class are, are no longer on campus anymore. So really they, they haven't taken a tight end since they've been here. So, uh, they needed to not only kind of restock that, that group, but I think kind of diversify it a little bit too, bring in some guys that, that can do some different things and maybe give them some flexibility. And I think they really did that with Thomas Fedoni, who's just an elite talent. I mean, he's, he's the definition of a difference maker in my opinion. And, um, you know, and I miss, mentioned James Carney and, uh, and then you got a kind of a wild card in AJ Rollins, who I think is a tremendous athlete and is somebody who's going to continue to, to mold and, and turn into a really good football player. So, um, you know, I think, I think tight end was really, really important. And then, uh, of course, you know, they've got to continue to address needs on the offensive and defensive line. And, um, and boy, I, I feel like they really did that too. You know, they brought in some really big bodies, uh, and some very talented athletes there. And, um, and they added to their size at wide receiver too. So, I mean, those are, those are the main positions where I feel like, uh, they did really, really well this cycle. Who's the coach that you think, and, and maybe this is to be continued because Tony Tuioti might have a say in this But when it's all said and done uh, because some of his targets are still out there, but who's the coach that impressed you the most this cycle? You know, that's that's a good question. I, I feel like, you know, the past few years you've had some 
some coaches that just really, really stood out and, and blew everyone out of the water. Uh, you know, Travis Fisher last year uh, on signing day, we were singing his praises with what he was able to do. Um, you know, and Ryan Held the past couple of years too has been someone who, um, you know, I think it was it was either last year or two years ago. Ryan Held was, I mean, he was legitimately uh, involved with over half of Nebraska's signees. Uh, but I feel like it was a pretty good group effort this year, and and I don't know if if you can chalk that up to being you know, a, a COVID thing where, you know, since the coaches weren't able to actually go out on the road and work their areas, they was, it was kind of teamwork from the get go or what, but, um, you know, I, I don't think I can say that, you know, this, this coach was your MVP of this recruiting class this year, which is, which is kind of rare. All right, Nate, we're going to pick this conversation up here later in the show, but there's still a lot of questions left targets on the board. We'll talk about that more all right, but before we get back to Nate, we're going to bring Robin Washett here into the show, and we'll start our discussion and breakdown of Friday's game at Rutgers. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel now. Usually that, that happens in you know week eight or nine of a season. I mean, we're close to the end now, so I, the kids just need to – have a final push and kick here. Uh, it's been a long year uh, in a lot of ways for everybody, not just here. A lot of uncertainty. You know, that I'm sure this is the case everywhere. The kids that I see really kind of uh, struggling to keep the same uh, health and uh, vitality are, are the young guys. And you usually have freshmen hit a, a wall at some point. Those guys went out to practice today and, and gave us everything they got, and we'll, we'll do everything we can to get them fresh and ready to go for this last one. Level of motivation. We still got football to play, so I think everybody just still had that motivation to go out there and go do what they do. We all got a ball. We can't just give it up now. We still got one more game, so it's time to go even harder. We knew going into it that we wanted to play football. Um, I mean, everybody still bought in. Uh, we're, we're still playing to the best we can, uh, preparing the best we can, um, and just going from there. I mean, yeah, our bodies are hurt, but it's more of a mental thing, and you just got to be mentally strong to get past that. And then, if you, I mean, if you truly love the game, then... I mean, playing football shouldn't be that bad. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show on this post-signing day slash week nine at Rutgers special edition. And uh, we just heard from Nate Klaus to start the show as we gave signing day our top opening headline segment today and our normal opening headline segment here pushed to segment two as signing day will always take precedence here at HuskerOnlineArrivals.com. But this is a unique year with a game as well. Um out at Rutgers, Robin, and you heard Scott Frost. I mean, just everything about the way this game was set up is this 2020 in a nutshell. Nebraska didn't find out till about 1 o'clock on Sunday that they were playing a 3 o'clock game on Friday. Yeah, and obviously they got moved. They got moved to nighttime. Yeah, I mean it's kind of par for the course. And I guess the good news is, uh, at this point, Nebraska is probably prepared for anything. Uh, a disruption like that isn't nearly as big of a deal as it probably otherwise would be just considering how many times they've had to, you know, heel turn and uh, completely adjust their preparation, not only for when they're going to play, but who they're going to play and all that stuff. So uh, at least, you know, they're preparing against a Rutgers team who for a brief moment in time was supposed to be Nebraska's opener. So um, they probably at least have some head start on just preparations for that game. But yeah, I mean, it just kind of, it's the perfect uh, cap off to what has been a season to remember. Well, yeah, week nine, as we know, Iowa lost their game with Michigan. 
Purdue and Indiana for a second week in a row have canceled. Michigan's going to miss three games in a row. I mean, it's just been kind of a crap sandwich here to finish out this this season in general um, when you look at it. And you, you, you find out who's motivated, who's not. And Nebraska's not having a good season. We all can agree on that. They're 2-5. and five. They probably should be about 4-3. and three. They've lost three games by eight, six, and seven points. I mean, they, they've lost three games within a touchdown, and you know that's the that's the line Nebraska football walks. It's a fine line, and they're on the wrong side of it. But it feels much worse. But begs me to my next question, Robin. Let's just say Nebraska things go well at Rutgers, and they win. They're five point favorites. So I'm not speaking out of terms here that Nebraska can win this game on the road. Um, they win out at Rutgers. Do you think at all? if the opportunity to play a bowl game, which I think there's going to be a lot of bowl games that need teams comes to Nebraska, they will take that opportunity. I do. Uh, because I guess, first of all, you know, Nebraska was the school pounding the drum to play football as loud as anyone in the country. And so, you know, you would think that any game they are allowed to play, they're going to try to play it and as they should. Uh, but then you hear the comments, you know, this week and even beyond, uh, just asking kind of where the, the mentality of this team is. And maybe it's just guys saying the right things and, uh, you know, answering the questions the way they're supposed to. But uh, the common answer has been, you know, there's no lack of motivation with this team. And if they, every opportunity they get to get on the field, you know, they're, they're relishing it. And regardless of what the performances look like on game day, uh, it at least appears to be that this team still has, something left in the tank where you compare that to other schools around the conference. There's clearly ones that are done and they would rather just shut things done. down right now. Michigan, Michigan's done. I think Maryland's probably done if I had a guess. And I'll tell you what, if Wisconsin beats Minnesota for the Paul Bunyan acts on Saturday, I get to see both those teams saying, you know what? I'm done. I don't, yeah. Maybe Wisconsin wants a bowl game. I could be, you know, misjudging that situation, but it just seems like they've dealt with so much there too. Yeah, and they were ones that kind of it's like pulling teeth to get them to to get going anyway. They're, in the first they're, place. They delayed the whole start of everything. Exactly. I mean, th this Big Ten season probably starts a week or two early, if not for Wisconsin. Yeah, and so uh, Indiana, they just had a, a, a basically. I think they, this week they said since December fifth, since that game against Wisconsin, they've had twenty eight tier one positives uh, that of that, players and staff. Are yeah, just, yeah, of, of players and staff, and so they're kind of limping as well. And obviously Purdue just canceled, so. I mean, obviously, they have a lot more to play for as terms of a, a you know pedigree of bowl game coming up, but they're kind of reeling right now too. So, you know, if Nebraska gets that opportunity, I think you have to take it, especially with the way this season has gone. We talked about it all last week, just how important it is to have a semblance of positivity going into the off season, and even if it is winning some meaningless "quote unquote" bowl game, who who knows what the opponent or where it's going to be played, whatever it is it's a chance to get on the field and for all this talk about, you know, playing with young guys and, and guys having to kind of grow up and become together as a team. The only way you do that is by playing football games. And so if you get a chance to play one more, I think Nebraska absolutely takes advantage of it. You're listening here to the Husker online show as Nebraska getting ready to travel out to Rutgers here uh, on short rest. And what's fitting about this schedule is Robin, it's the original nine games. Nebraska was always intended to play well before we saw multiple rounds of scheduling. This was the original when Nebraska got the 10 game conference schedule. This was also their opener and they're going to close with this game on the road at Rutgers. And I'll tell you what, Greg Schiano's done a great job. Mm -hmm. um, Tom Allen's going to be coach of the year by a wide margin in this league. Uh, 
Uh, but you could argue the job that Greg Schiano has done in his first year is as impressive as anybody. Pat Fitzgerald will be up there too. Um, there's been a lot of good coaching jobs, but Schiano's job in year one, just kind of turning the culture already, that's been impressive. Well, and he wasted no time. I mean, basically it was kind of similar to what Frost did where uh, he flipped the roster right off the bat and brought in, I think, as many transfers as any Power 5 school in the country. And so they kind of just flipped the switch and uh, brought in a whole new cast of players. And, yeah, I mean, they only have three wins. But uh, you you see – kind of a, a much more competitive Rutgers team than we're used to seeing. And uh, that's you know, the whole reason why Rutgers wanted Shiano back was because uh, he had him in their heyday and he has kind of an idea of what it takes to win there. So clearly he had a plan in place and wasted no time starting it. And uh, they're off to a pretty good start in year one. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we wrap up this opening segment. We'll dive into the storylines of this matchup more next as there's quite a few uh, Brandon Hymas as well hung it up. Robin opted out. I think he's the first guy that's ever you know done this at Nebraska. I mean, yeah. you've seen it at a lot of places, but and typically you don't see a guy that's probably a back end draft guy opt out. It's usually a first, second, third round. Maybe he is that high. I, I don't know. I, I don't think he is, but well, you know, you, you wish him luck. But man, that that's a tough thing to me. I, I I get it, the money, but to walk away from your guys that you played with. Um, yeah, especially after starting 40 straight games and, you know, being kind of one of the faces of the of the team in a lot of ways, uh, you know, to, to with what, five days to go, maybe. And you're going to hang it up now. I could see like opting out of a bowl game or something like that or whatever it may be. But, you know, this was a you kind of signed on for this when you decided to play this year. You could have opted out before the season, but uh, to do it with one more schedule, it just kind of tarnishes go, your final memory, I think, a little does. bit. I mean, in. I get it. It's America. You want to make money and you want that opportunity. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I just I personally would have a hard time walking away from guys that I've been with for four years. Yeah. And I guess, you know, we'll see kind of what he's been hearing about, uh, you know, where he stands. And, he's not in the senior bowl. Yeah. And so that's a big part of it. Uh, so I think that's something that, you know, clearly he knew what he was going to do all along. I think what he came in there Sunday is what you reported. And so, uh, I don't know. It seems like if that was like something you were planning on doing, you probably could have said something earlier or I don't know kind of what his intentions were with that. And we're going to talk about who's going to be replacing Brennan Hymas and much more next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Noah's still one of my best friends. I've played basketball with him since middle school. We've been on the same team, same AAU teams, and we talk every week. Uh, I mean, he's still, it's not like, not just because he went to another school, it's not like I'm going to just completely put him off to the side. He's still one of my good friends. We chat football all the time. He's He's been doing great things at Rutgers. Um, he, he's been balling out, and that's good for him because he's an athlete. I think he deserved, in, in a lot of ways, to, to be a, an athlete somewhere. We had three great quarterbacks here. Um, competing for the job. Uh, Noah went on to Rutgers and he's doing great things for them, so it was good to see. Yeah, I've been able to watch a little because we've had common opponents and I've gotten to watch a couple games and it looks like the, the player that we thought he was when we recruited him and knew he was when he's here. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett here, the segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill on 30th and Yankee Hill. Get on into Tanner's as they'll have the Husker game on here as Nebraska gets ready to play Rutgers, Husker basketball, all the college football championship games this weekend, as well as the NFL action. Go Chiefs. 
Um, it's a great Chiefs bar. It's a great Giants bar, Robin Washett, as, as you found out a couple weeks ago too, right? Well, because everybody leaves you alone. That's why. I can just sit there and stew about it with no one bothering me. You got the wings, though? Oh, yeah. Got oh, the yeah. wings. All right. Char well, Blair. Get on a Tanner's 30th in Yankee Hill. You just heard Scott Frost and Austin Allen, Robin, talking about Noah Vedro. I know this is our offensive st- storyline segment, but I wanted to keep this on that side of the show uh, because he played offense at Nebraska. He played for Coach Frost. Just think about this hypothetical. We were in Atlanta, Georgia on January 1, 2018, covering a Peach Bowl. And Noah Vedra was the number two quarterback. McKenzie Milton was the number one. Who would have thunk in mid-December of 2020, Noah Vedra would be starting against Nebraska potentially for Rutgers, and McKenzie Milton would now be a grad transfer to Florida State? Yeah. I mean, who would have thought on March 11th of 2020 that – the guard playing for Nebraska in the Big Ten tournament against Indiana would be playing quarterback for Rutgers. That's how crazy this year has been. When, <laughs> when the basketball team had a couple Noah football Bedrill, guys on Did he score a point? I don't remember. Did he have a free throw? Or? Uh, Brant Banks, I know, went to the line. I don't think he made either one of them. I, honestly, like that's the last thing. I don't remember anything of the game. I remember everything from the sideline and afterwards. But, yeah, I mean, just, just how wild is that? That seems like two years ago, for one. And now that guy who was dishing in entry passes to uh, Nebraska's left number two left tackle is now going to be a quarterback for Nebraska, or for Rutgers uh, on Friday. the fact that Noah Vedral did that, when you think about that, I mean, now that he kind of knew he was leaving, um, they had not pulled the plug yet officially on spring ball. Like, it was like a day later. But I think he had a foot out the door, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to have a great story to tell my kids. I played basketball for Nebraska in the Big Ten tournament against Indiana. Yeah. Hopefully he got to keep some of the gear. I think he played in the last completed game of the college basketball season. He made a sweet pass. Because I know the Creighton game started the next day, but they canceled that at halftime. So, <laughs> All right, so Noah Vedro played two min- or three minutes, missed both of his shots. One of them was a three, and he had a foul. So, hey. <laughs> Well, now and he could he's start. Book. So he's played quarterback for Scott Frost in Central Florida. He started multiple games at Nebraska. Or started the Indiana game. I don't know if he started two games or just Indiana for, for. He started against Indiana in football and basketball for Nebraska, and he started against Indiana for Rutgers as a quarterback in football. What a ride! And he's not done yet. I don't know if we'll <laughs> see him. That's a thing. Yeah. I mean, I know Noah really well. I've known him since he was a young kid, um, and. I know he wants to play in this game bad. I, I don't know if we're going to see him play. I mean, this is like – He was on crutches on the sideline during that game on Saturday. He's got bad ankles from his basketball days, and he, you know he's just a guy that takes some shots every once in a while. He's not a big guy, uh, but I, I would be surprised if we see him. I, yeah. I, I would, but I know how much this game means to him. Well, and the, the Maryland defensive lineman got suspended by oh, they Moxley. Said- like he oh, made for internally. a half. Yeah. He's like, they watched the film and Lockley was like, this is such a dirty play. Like we can't let this go unpunished. He should issued an apology to pretty Shiano. much what Colorado did to Adrian Martinez, but exactly. they, they but actually they owned admitted it. it. Yeah. So uh, whether he plays or not though, there's not a person maybe that hasn't coached for Scott Frost that knows Scott Frost's offense better than Noah Vedral. And so he's been with them all four years of his time as a head coach before he even played a game as a Husker he was as knowledgeable as any player on the team about what Frost wanted to do so uh, I mean this is a guy that is going to be a valuable asset for for Rutgers defense uh, all week and you know they're going to pick his brain and Nebraska has admitted like you know we know that he's probably going to be telling them stuff and you know he's probably going to give them some hints as to our approach but 
Nebraska can't go out of its way just because of what they think Noah Vedrill might tell him and what he might know. Well, and some other things to watch. I meant we talked about Brennan Hyamas leaving. That means Turner Corcoran will start at left tackle, a Rivals 100 true freshman, anchored on the right side by redshirt freshman um, Bryce right. Benhart, and then you've got redshirt freshman Ethan Piper, sophomore Cam Jurgens, senior Matt Farniak. The young, I mean, unofficially, Robin, the youngest starting five Nebraska football's ever played on, on a line. That's I, crazy. I mean, can you be any younger than that? It'd be hard to. And, you know, uh, one of the questions to Matt Lubick uh, earlier this week was, have you ever had this happen before? And he said, yeah, one time at Oregon, they had three freshmen playing, and it's just because they got just destroyed with injuries and were just desperate trying to get through a game. So uh, this is a very rare situation where you have to rely on this much youth. But, you know, look at the big picture of all this. You know, as far as this season's concerned, you know, this game is what it is. But the reps and the snaps these young players are all going to get, that's where the value really comes into not only this game, but potentially playing a bowl game looking ahead is all these young guys, you know, they're going to actually have some experience under their belt, particularly on that offensive line, which is the the, the core foundation of what this, this whole thing is about. Well, and it's signing day, Robin, and a lot of our listeners are recruiting junkies. Well, Bryce Benhart and Tanner Turner Corcoran, are the highest-ranked tackles Nebraska has ever signed that played. Now, Baker Steinkiller technically was higher, but he never played tackle in college. Mm -hmm. But these are the two highest-ranked tackle recruits the Huskers have signed in the Internet era. Because obviously there's different recruiting eras of rankings and and, and whatnot. But Husker fans want to see these guys. So I'm intrigued to see. I think he's going to have a tough matchup, though. I think uh, Rutgers is very aggressive. Uh, They average – you know, they average about 10 to 15 quarterback pressures per game. Yeah, they got 17 sacks. That's like third or fourth in the Big Ten. They're, they're aggressive. So they're going to come at Corcoran and Ben Hart. And Minnesota, Robin, did not blitz once on 27 dropbacks to Adrian Martinez. All of their pressure came with four-man pressures. Yeah, and it was a, it was a tough day for Bryce Benhart. You know, that was twice. A, he got two or three times yeah. on a, on just a single speed rush. I think he gave up, yeah, what three three pressures, two sacks, something like that. So, you know, that was it was a tough kind of trial by fire. But uh, that's kind of what this is all about. I mean, these young guys, the only way they're going to learn is by being out there and going through it. And uh, to get, I mean, obviously Benhart's got a whole season under his belt. Uh, you know, Jurgens is two years now into his campaign, and then getting Corcoran out there to get some reps. I mean, that's invaluable looking ahead to the future because those guys are going to be the linchpins of that offensive line for the next few years. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to shift back over to defense now as Rutgers will have potentially no federal, but a, no, regardless, a very tough offense to prepare for as they'll throw a lot of things at Nebraska, maybe as much as any team has all year. And the challenge of that is doing it on a short week. We'll talk about that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. So I think that, you know, looking at my MRIs and CT scans and all these other things that we've been through and just seeing things happen with my spine and um, looking down the road of my health, I think that I probably won't be coming back, probably hang up the cleats for good, um, just for health reasons and just make sure that, that I'm able to throw football with my kid down the road or, you know, drive my own car down the road or, you know, take a shower on my own and beat myself on my own. I mean, it was a scary situation against Illinois. It was very scary. Feelings I've never felt before. Yeah, I mean, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. But And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, getting you ready for Week 9 of Big Ten football. Nebraska at Rutgers. And there could be a Week 10. Uh, we don't know that. We discussed that earlier um, as 
there's just going to be a lot of teams that don't want to go to bowl games. And Nebraska obviously doesn't have a record that deserves to go to a bowl, but they could still play another game. And we don't know that. We may not know till Sunday where that's going to go with that discussion. But, Robin, we do now know that Colin Miller, more than likely officially done playing football at Nebraska. Um, he more or less said that in so many words here, as you just heard him. Uh, he talked to reporters Tuesday in his first public setting since that Illinois injury and just a first-class kid, everything you want to represent Nebraska football. And you just wish the best for Colin Miller. And I'm so glad that everything is okay right now because that was we've been covering the team together a long time, Robin. And before that, even you you did it years before that. I don't ever recall a Nebraska football player in a game being hauled off like that. No. And I guess to be fair that a lot of that was just for precautionary reasons. I mean, I know. So it reminded me a lot of a few years ago when Siobhan Shields for basketball got his legs taken out from under him and he came down and landed right on his head and neck and he just laid there motionless, and they had to come out, and they took him off on the stretcher. He didn't give a thumbs up or anything like that, and like you're automatically assuming the worst. Well, it turns out that when the trainers got there, they ran up to him and said, don't move. Don't move a muscle. Don't smile. Don't turn your head. Just stay as motionless as you possibly can. It sounds like that's exactly what happened with Colin Miller to where, you know, it, it just makes from afar, from on TV, from in the press box, like it's, you know, like the, the literal worst case thing. But they were being extremely cautious. And he said as much uh, on Tuesday where, you know, they wanted to make sure he was safe. They took him to the hospital for precautionary reasons. He stayed overnight in the hospital for precautionary reasons. So, yeah, long story short, at least he's OK uh, with his long term future. But with football. You know, he, he talked to a lot of people, including neurologists at, at Nebraska, who basically told him that, you know, you probably could, makes sense. Yeah, to... you, could, you could probably play, but the risk is probably going to far outweigh the reward of continuing to do this because one wrong hit, one wrong whatever, you could be in some serious long term trouble. And he kind of valued that. You know, he said, I want to be able to throw the football around with my kid. I want to drive my car. I want to take a shower for myself. You know, these are the types of things that potentially could be impacted if he were to risk it and continue playing. So, uh, you, yeah, certainly a bad way to end his career. But uh, Colin has been nothing but great for Nebraska, and especially since he's been out. What a, I mean, the, the leadership he's provided on the sideline in practice has been invaluable. Well, and his mother is in the medical field as well. And I'm sure just at home he's got great advice from his family with – his mother working as a nurse and everything he's gone through. But, yeah, you, you just wish him the best. Um, and, and now, Robin, Nebraska is going out to Rutgers. Uh, I'll be curious, Luke Reimer, if we'll see him this week or if it will be more Nick Henrich. But that middle linebacker position has been decimated with the Miller injury and then the Reimer injury. And this is a tough week because you know Rutgers – is going to throw the sink at Nebraska. They throw the sink out every week as far as all the different things they do. I was watching BTN in 60 of their game against Maryland, and, man, they run a lot of things. I mean, they're going to run trick plays, gadgets, everything. Well, so it comes down to that middle linebacker in particular, that spot is, you know, they're in charge of making the pre-snap adjustments and recognizing, uh, you know, where how to adjust pre, pre-snap and, uh, you know, kind of be the quarterback. And Will Honus, obviously, is an experienced guy, but – if you're asking Nick Henry to do that same sort of thing, that, that's asking a lot of a, of a redshirt freshman. And not having even a guy like Reimer, and especially not a guy like Colin Miller, looking back to that Minnesota game, Nebraska's defense did a pretty good job outside of maybe five or so plays where there were communication breakdowns and Minnesota was able to bust one for a long run or a long pass. And 
I mean, that Rutgers is going to try to exploit that. They're going to do a lot of, you know, window dressing, lots of, uh, you know, razzle-dazzle trick play They play three stuff. different quarterbacks at times. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, communication before the snap and recognizing things before that ball is hiked is going to be imperative. And now, I mean, like I said, you're re- relying on Honus, who, you know, is, is a good guy to have back there. But how Nick Henrich handles that responsibility is going to be equally as important. And I'll give uh, Shiano a lot of credit. He went out and hired a good coordinator, Sean Gleason from Oklahoma State. He brought that Big 12 offense into Rutgers and has given them just so much more flavor to what they do. And I'm sure Shiano learned a lot of that at Ohio State. Urban Meyer, Tim Beck always told me this with Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer ran a Big 12 offense in the Big 10 with elite players. And Tim Beck always believed that if you ran a good Big 12 offense with like pro talent, it was unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, it's a reason why that league puts up the numbers it does. Well, that's what the Chiefs are running of essentially a Big 12 offense. And there's only a handful of programs out there that can pair the level of talent as Ohio State. But if you're able to at least do it you know, somewhat functionally well and you play good defense, that's going to take you some places. And I think that's the formula that Rutgers is trying to build right Because he was more pro-style. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, Ray Rice. I mean, if you know, yeah, if you're a New Jersey high school football, 12 personnel, uh, I mean, you're, that, you're, yeah. a, you're a pro-style under center Boston College type. I mean, you're you're typically not a. No one identifies Northeast college football with the spread, do they? I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think of anybody that would come close. But it, yeah, not. so I, I give them some credit for kind of going out of the box with what they're what they're doing. Penn State to a to a degree. Yeah, and and a lot of that changed for Franklin once McSorley got right. there, and 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 he really opened that up when McSorley came in because they weren't. You know, Bill O'Brien, as we know, was a mm-hmm. under center guy, mm-hmm. and they they slowly kind of opened it up with James Franklin. But yeah, I'm, this is an intriguing matchup for me, Robin. Um, I I, I want to see Nebraska if, if 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 their defense can step up because I do think Nebraska is better in some key position areas in this game. But the 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 biggest thing about this game is do they want to play? Do they want to be there? How important is it? That's to me, the ultimate key on both sides of this game is who wants to actually win this game. I think Rutgers has a lot of motivation. They're already planning on going to a bowl game as well. So this is, for them, a huge game, I think. Is it a huge game for Nebraska? That's what we don't know. Well, I mean, we talked about the reasons why it is important. It's a matter of do the players have the right amount of buy-in to play with the necessary focus an execution that's going to you know, be able to take advantage of it. And, you know, like I said, they're saying all the right things and they seem to have the right mentality. But as we've seen, uh, you know, if, if you don't come ready, things can get ugly on in, in a hurry. And they were not ready against Minnesota. They were not ready against Illinois. And it's, this is going to be another instance where, you know, the bad Nebraska shows up. If the team that played against Purdue shows up or the team that played against Iowa even shows up, I think Nebraska wins this game, but it's just a matter of where they are between the years and are they able to sustain that for a full four quarters. And I've been to all seven games, Robin, and call me crazy, but Nebraska plays so much better on the road. Yeah, it's funny. You can't even blame the fans now because there's nobody there about but the toxic environment. It just something about being at home. I mean, oh. they kind of played bad against Penn State, too. They, they got lucky because Penn State – Gave up 500 yards. Well, and Penn State did a bunch of stuff with the ball that gave Nebraska free points, but they didn't play well. Every road game, Nebraska at least had moments of playing well. Mm-hmm. So there's something about this team on the road versus home, and I don't even want to try to figure out why, but 
they get better energy on the road for some reason. Yeah, and again, especially this season, doesn't make any sense because, like, at least before, you could say that you know there's the pressure of the fans, you know, the groans that happen when you don't <gasps> make a play, or the the murmurs after a three and out. Well, that's not there. I mean, you're basically got simulated crowd noise that's cheering for you at all times. And get this, Robin, uh, Rutgers State health measures will not allow Nebraska parents to go. So the stadium can only have 150 people mm. at the game. No Nebraska parents can be there. It's the first time all year they can't go. Um, there's only going to be four of us media members there as well. So it, it's going to wow. be a very light group of Nebraska people in uh, East Rutherford, or East Rutherford, um, New Brunswick, or Piscataway, Piscataway, New Brunswick. I mean, I, I say more New Brunswick because that's where really, really where it's at. But yeah, Piscataway. Yeah. yeah, East Rutherford's where the Giants are. East Rutherford. Well, good town. Been there. Wish me luck, Robin. I'll be. Um, yeah, hey, there's this big, massive snowstorm rolling through too. So bring your boots and hat and. I'll listen and to some WFAN Giant Sports Talk Radio and there give you a full report when I get yeah, back. Yeah, let me let me know how critical they are of Daniel Jones. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll close it up with Nate Klaus with some final thoughts about signing day and recruiting. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think it kept them together. You know, somebody asked me about a drama-free signing day. Um, you know, we expected to sign this group of kids. They all signed. They all signed this morning. I called them all and told them congratulations. I think their uh, their bond and, and talking to each other and their determination to, to turn Nebraska into a, a winner probably held the class together really well and made our jobs easy. And I hope they continue to make our jobs easy. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as uh, we're going to close up with some recruiting talk. We took a break from the recruiting and did some Rutgers, Nebraska talk with Robin Washette, but uh, going to close the show up here with Nate as uh, you heard Scott Frost. Pretty drama-free, Nate, but still some moving parts out there. Um, Avante Dickerson at Westside, but besides that situation, Nate, what else are you going to be keeping your eyes on? Well, I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned Monte Dickerson, um, you know, who has uh, decided not to sign on Wednesday. And, and uh, you know, I feel like that's, that bodes well for Nebraska. Um, you still have Tia Savea, the four-star defensive end out of, uh, out of Las Vegas, who is, is uh, kind of still deciding what he's going to do down to Nebraska, USC. Uh, UCLA, and that's that's a relationship, and and you know a kid that, that Nebraska has been on forever, uh, and a relationship that uh, Tony Tuioti has been able to develop with him that that's really kept Nebraska in it there. And uh, you got a four-star linebacker out of Hawaii, Winden Huoule. Um, <laughs> say that ten times fast. Uh, I don't I don't know if I nailed that or not. Probably not. But uh, regardless. You've got a the number one player in Hawaii. Um, you know, is a linebacker that could play inside or outside for Nebraska, uh, and he's very, very much interested in in, uh, in the Huskers. And um, and I'll just say, I mean, if Tony Tuioti can get a kid from Hawaii uh, to commit uh, in a year where there are no unofficial or official visits, I mean, that's that, uh, that that speaks pretty highly of your connections uh, to the islands there. Yeah, Nate, we've been around a lot of recruiting at Nebraska, and you worked on the other side of it, and you've seen a lot of surprises, a lot of, a lot of things happen that you weren't expecting to happen. This one would have to rank right up there if, if they pulled the number one player out of Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be, that would be yeah, 
I, I wouldn't say a complete shocker. But I mean, that it would it would defy all reason. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you could you could make a list ten times longer for why uh, he <laughs> that wouldn't happen than than you could for why it would. But like I said, uh, uh, Tony Toyota has a lot of connections on the islands, and uh, you know, and, and I've been told by people too that you know when he goes back there, it's like. Uh, the schools shut down, uh, you know, people, people from around the communities come to the high school to come see, uh, Tony. And I mean, he's, he is highly, highly regarded there. And so, uh, you know, the, the fact that he's got, um, and not just Wyndham, but there are a couple other prospects that, that he's had on the hook that, that have been, you know, considering Nebraska too. Um, you know, the, the fact that he's been able to do that is not surprising, but, you know, it, again, it, it would be, that would be a monumental task uh, to, to get the number one player to, to commit to going all the way to Nebraska without ever having you know, stepped foot on campus. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Nate, that kind of recruiting over there, it just falls under the radar. There's just not the type of camp coverage, game coverage, media coverage uh, that we're used to seeing in the States here. It's almost a whole other world um, where some of that stuff, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are – are, will be pretty surprised because you just peg a guy like that going to the Pac-12. I mean, oh, he'll go to USC or Washington or Oregon. Um, you know, that that's just kind of the trend that those types of kids have over the years uh, from Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's, um, you know, distance is is not something that's going to, you know, necessarily be a make or break deal, but um, it's, it's probably easier, obviously, to, to get to the West Coast um, you know, there's a lot more Polynesians uh, on on the West Coast too, and you know that's that's just kind of kind of the the trend, kind of the kind of what what you do. You know, if you're a highly recruited prospect, you know, nine times out of ten, that's that's kind of where you end up, or at least in that area of the country. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, Nebraska would would buck a major trend there if they were able to to get that happen. And uh, you know, I think. It would be the first signee from Hawaii for so it's Tony, uh, 20, Tony, 20 plus years. Tony Finotti, probably right. I mean, that, that's the last one I can yeah. remember. I mean, you had yes. yeah, you had that run with Dominic Riola, Tony Tata, Junior Tagawai, and and Tony Finotti. There were four um, Hawaiian players that came, and some were from St. Louis, but they all kind of came in a group. And Milt Teniper pulled that off. So yeah, we still got a ways to go. He's not announcing until probably at least January. Um, but the feel on that one is at least pretty good right now. Yeah. You know, I, I um, the limited conversations that I've been able to have with him, uh, you know, I, I get the feeling that, that Nebraska is, is not just in the mix. I, I feel like they're, they're kind of in the driver's seat with, with this deal. And um, you know, we'll see what happens. There's still, you know, with all these guys that we're talking about, it's still, Kind of a, a long time between now and, and January, in, in the as far as recruiting is concerned, uh, where things can can honestly change with with just uh, one phone call. So, uh, so we'll see what happens. But um, again, I think I think uh, you you can't complain about where Nebraska is sitting with a couple of these guys. That's for sure. And Nate, now looking ahead to twenty twenty two for next year, I know this time of year. We're usually breaking down the numbers and being like, man, it's going to be a small class. And I, I feel yeah. like I feel like now with the transfer portal and the one-time transfer rule, I mean, it's it's basically 25 every year. Am I wrong? 
Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Uh, you know, I don't know, you know, with COVID and everyone getting a free year, um, you know, I don't know how much that, that is going to impact the the overall numbers. And, and obviously, you know, depending on what happens at certain positions, you know, uh, if guys decide to come back or if guys – leave if there's a bunch of departures at certain positions and that's gonna that's gonna swing your numbers uh one way or the other uh, quite drastically but yeah i mean with as prevalent as the the transfer portal has become i i think it is going to be you know you can pretty much count on at least 23 you know 22 23 every single year and and more than likely 25 well yeah it's um it's changed the game and and we knew it would but I, I, I think just – I mean, I, I tweeted over a seven-day period in December, there were 168 entries in the portal in Division One college football just in, just in one week here in this past, uh, this past week. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, little, a little ridiculous. And, um, I mean, basically there's, there's more kids in the portal than there are going to be open spots around the country. And, um, you know, I think that sometimes it sounds – it sounds kind of nice. It's it's convenient. It's a you know maybe an easy out if you're if you're having a a rough go or or if you're you know if you're having a bad week <laughs> you wanna you wanna say well um, I'm gonna throw the towel in here and, and go go in the transfer portal um, you know that's fine uh, but you, you better have a plan I think if you're gonna do that and um, you know there's obviously we've seen guys have a plan uh, where and it works out pretty seamlessly and and uh, unfortunately I think there's a lot of those kids have plans and uh, you know they might end up regretting that decision yeah it, it's a it's a tough deal um, there's no doubt but you know, I think Nebraska has kind of taken on the stance like, look, we're going to hold maybe two to three spots every year for the portal, and I think they'd like to be at 23 this year. They may they may end up with 22, uh, but I think 23 is kind of the the sweet spot they'd like to finish with, and then hold a couple back for that portal. Yeah, you don't want to necessarily rely on uh, you know having to get a couple guys, or or certainly you know hitting a home run in the transfer portal at a couple of positions, but uh, you also don't want to, you know, be completely full and, and, you know, miss an opportunity to bring in a difference maker either. So uh, I think it is smart to, to have a couple in your back pocket, just in case something uh, comes along where, where it could potentially change a program or, or at least give you a big boost or, or some major depth uh, at, at certain positions. Well, Nate, usually I'd be at this time, well, you know, Congr- thank you for uh, running around the country and flying around, going to signing ceremonies, going to camps. But we didn't have to do any of that this year, so it was it was a lot different um, year for us, but still a, a different kind of year. But um, thank you uh, for all the work you and Mike and Brian and Greg Peterson, the entire team, have done. As uh, you bring a lot of great recruiting coverage uh, to Nebraska fans that. You know, quite frankly, very few teams in college football get that level of coverage. So uh, we made it through another one, and um, it's always good to have this day behind us. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully this cycle is just an anomaly, and, and I can get back to to traveling and, and going to camps and <laughs> doing that type of thing again. All right. Well, uh, Nebraska Rutgers on Friday. I will be in New Jersey, um, and we'll be on on watch here as there's still potential of letters that could come in through Friday, but uh, make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. 
Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.